Chapter Lord of the Beans The preachers and lecturers deal with men of straw as they are men of straw themselves. Why, a free-spoken man of sound lungs cannot draw a long breath without causing your rotten institutions to come toppling down by the vacuum he makes. Your church is a baby house made of blocks, and so the state. Quote from Henry David Thoreau The heat punched me in the face like an irate father. Hell, I was used to that, so I pressed on to my pickup, sack of burritos in my good hand, and looked inside to see if anyone had stolen anything, such as my backpack. All was well, so I walked over to the large, battered trash bin to squat in its shade and eat. Next to the trash bin was a very tiny car in roughly the shape of an armadillo. Its front end hovered a few inches above the pavement, and its ass did the same. The car's body was like a wheel of cheese, a semicircle disc with a door on the left and right surfaces, and a windshield sloping sharply like a fishbowl in front. The whole thing crouched low to the ground like an abused and battered dog. I felt sorry for it. I also felt sorry for the massive, quivering, gelatinous, obese man who was standing next to the car. I stopped feeling sorry for him when all 141 thousandths of a metric ton of him saw me and started walking my way, his eye sockets embedded deeply in a sea of fat. The sound of labored panting and gurgling got closer, and my viscera rose throatward and threatened to strangle me as the heat-shrouded apparition came thitherward. Warily, I got to my feet and stepped away from the trash bin so that my escape route would be less hindered. I stepped a few feet to the left, and the walking flesh changed this vector to intercept me. I stepped a few feet to the right, and the heaving mound once again changed its vector. I stood my ground and let it come at me. A reel of fear wended through me as it got closer. I wish I had a CO2 fire extinguisher to fight it with, like Steve McQueen in the movie The Blob. With my injured hand, I patted the left front pocket of my pants, and I felt the tactical defense ballpoint pen within. I had foolishly left my tactical defense belt knife in the glove box of my car, though at the moment I wished I had a tactical defense pistol. Or perhaps a tactical defense harpoon. Even a tactical defense stick would have been welcomed. The Leviathan spoke with a gurgle. Good morning. Have you praised the Lord today? I knew the answer to that question immediately. Well, no, I have not. I live here in the United States. We don't do lords here. We don't do feudalism here. Perhaps you're thinking of the United Kingdom. The two deep pits where the eyes presumably were closed briefly, then opened again. A double blink, I assumed. No, he blurbled. I mean the Lord God Almighty, your Father in Heaven. Well, thank you, but my name is not Almighty, and dude, my father ain't up there, and I wager never will be. You must never have met him. The dual eye pits on his face closed and opened again. He tried a different approach, though for the life of me I could not guess why he was annoying me, nor could I guess why I was not walking away. Perhaps he wanted my burritos. Perhaps I wanted to see how long he could keep standing hatless under the harsh, torturous, unrelenting sun as the temperature was well over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. What brings you to Biker? he asked. 
It was a time when it surprised me at how rude some complete strangers are. It would never occur to me to walk up to someone I don't know and speak to the stranger unless that person appeared to need help, or if I needed help. More to the point, I would never walk up to a stranger and start asking personal questions, such as why she or he was standing in Baker talking to a rude person. I'm working a turquoise claim in the hills over there, I lied, gesturing to the north. I thought about lecturing him on how to be polite to strangers, that is, he should ignore them. But lecturing adults about being polite when they need the lecture is not polite. A fucking conundrum. Americans ceased being polite in the late 1500s. Shit, I've encountered strangers who insisted I shake their hand, which I find overly offensive and repugnant. As if it was normal to just seize a stranger for a few seconds. And don't even get me started on the strangers who insisted they had the right to hug me. Oh! He said, finding a new route to brainwash me with. Hills created by the great flood of Noah. The way he spoke, the words must have been all uppercase letters in his head thing. Shit, I had an answer rehearsed also. I have no idea who or what that is. Do you mean the great flood of Utnapishtim? I could speak in all uppercase too. Who which? He asked. No, no, um... No! He blubbered and gurgled while trying to keep up. And he interrupted me before I could tell him the real true story and convince him to start worshipping Enki and the other Sumerian gods. But I vowed to get that in somehow later. The fraud! The only fraud! Well, not the only flood. I mean, the only one! The Great One! That's what I said, I said. The Sumerian god Enki rescued humanity and all other forms of life on Earth by warning Utnapishtim. Eventually, Babylonia incorporated the Sumerian story into its cosmology. During the captivity of the elites of ancient Israel, the Hebrews incorporated the Babylonian version into their cosmology and gave us Noah. I was not only educating him, I was punishing him for his rudeness by inducing painful dissonance in his head. He closed one eye pit as he pondered what I said, and left the other open to keep a wary watch on me. Both eye pits opened again, and the rubbery lips parted in a happy smile as he turned to look to my right, and so did I. Coming towards us was what I still think was a woman. Her 163 thousandth of a metric ton was situated above two large feet clad in massive tennis shoes. Above the shoes, about ten inches, her cylinder-shaped upper body started and continued for about four feet until there was a head. Two massive arms held several cardboard trays stacked on top of each other, and each tray appeared burdened with paper-wrapped burritos, hamburgers, deep-fried potatoes, and other American health food. I greeted her, and she returned the greeting with a smile. The man fished into a tray and retrieved a burrito and unwrapped it. Then, giving me a stare to make sure I was watching. I was trying not to, but I couldn't help myself. He forced his chin bone deep into his chest fat, stared intently at the burrito in his palm, and started to yell at it. Dear Lord, thank you for nourishment and all the other gifts you have graced us with today. We are so grateful of... Your Lord is a burrito? I asked. Dude, you're talking to a burrito. I was trying to be helpful again. 
your dispensation in loving your sinful children in this time of great iniquity. We also thank you for... And if you want the burrito to answer, maybe you need to shout at it a little louder because beans and cheese ain't got ears, I suggested. Sending the needful child! He looked from his lord of beans, cheese, tortillas, and hot sauce and glanced at me, then turned his head back to address the burrito again. To me to help set him on the path back to your love and graces, I humbly ask. Does your lord need any salt? I got some packets of salt. Maybe you could do what I do and stuff your lord with french fries. His companion, if I could read what passed for her face correctly, looked confused. Religion is the fashionable alternative to thinking. I learned early in life that it was fun to tease people, early as in before conception. I once made a hamburger for someone who had obsessive-compulsive disorder using two bun bottoms for him and the two tops for me just to see what would happen. I hid the kitchen knives first. One early morning, I told a co-worker with OCD, I never tell the truth, and then let him stew in that infinite, regressive, unpersonable statement for the rest of the day. I tuned him out so that I no longer heard what he was saying. We stood there, me besmirching my lunch and he beseeching his. When I finished eating, I interrupted him and said, I beg your pardon, but I'm still hungry. I'm going to go buy another lord or two. Thank you and drive safely. I walked away, fearing I would be followed, and I went inside the burrito store to hide from them. I did not want any more food, so I just sat at a table next to the window and I watched them, which is not polite, waiting for them to drive away. They stood in the sun eating after placing the cardboard trays of food on top of their odd vehicle. Eventually their meal was finished and they put their trash in the trash bin and then they engineered themselves into their tiny car. It was very much an engineering feat. The man went to the passenger side and opened the tiny door. And with his feet still on the pavement, he stuffed his head and upper body into the tiny space inside the car. The car lurched sideways as it took his weight, but only dropped about two inches. The vehicle had no shock absorbers. He then shoved hard against his feet to force as much of his lower body into the car as he could, and then pivoted his mass leftward on his massive left ass cheek and drew his left leg inside. The car shook violently. The right leg then followed the left twin. Once he was in, the maybe woman performed similar maneuvers, but in a mirror image. It was like watching two giant squid ooze themselves into one tiny mustard jar. I was glad I ate first before seeing that. 